Hey there, happy new year and welcome to Industry Town. Today's guests are Roxana Dunlap and Arden Greer, the incredibly talented sisters and uh, co-founders of Light Layer Productions. Uh, they built this production company from the ground up in a little over two and a half short years. Their production company has been straight up prolific. They've worked on over 25 projects, including award-winning shorts like Oh Baby. Uh, they have uh, worked in commercials, music videos, and now feature films. I only knew Roxana and Arden a little bit before the episode, so it was really neat to get to talk to them to hear about their kind of creative origin story, how they built a full-service production company and created their roles as creatives and businesswomen uh, making a mark in the industry. We have a great talk also on representation in the industry for women behind the camera and film, and also on the total lame... Uh, awful lack of diversity in the Golden Globe nominations for Best Picture and Best Director. So uh, without further ado, let's start the podcast. Lock it up. Very quiet and still. Ready. Scene one, take three, A mark. wrapped up you're ready (laughs) Ready. we are live we're we're live the way podcasts are live which is (laughs) like i actually recently heard a podcast with al pacino and i i don't think he understood the difference between a podcast and radio he's like this (laughs) is this is live right we're we're on there it's like kind of no one's hearing that and they'll probably edit it out but anyway i am here with arden greer roxana dunlop hello Hello. hi brian and they are the founders the co-founders of light layer productions Mm-hmm. Thank you both for being here. Thank you so much for having us. It's Thank you. Absolutely, my pleasure. Again, I told you already, but I'm still learning how to do the uh, the handoff to two different guests. It's That's tough. I've only done it once so far, um, and we figured our way through. We figured our way through. There was a lot of overlap. A little bit of overlap, <laughs> especially at the beginning. Eventually, I really found the kind of rhythm of it. I think we will. Yeah. Um, so here's where I want to start. Before we get into light layer and everything, I realize. I'm really excited that I know almost nothing of your origin story. So, Arden, let me just start by kicking it to you. Roxana, jump in however you want. But where are you two from and how did creating together start happening? I love love this question. Um, Yeah, so, well, basically, we kind of, both of our parents were Shakespeare theater actors. And they met at a Shakespeare festival in Canada. Stratford. Stratford. Yes. <laughs> where, specific. Where my beautiful sister, Roxana, was born. Uh, someone else you might know who was born there, Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> shout out. It's a really important hospital. Really important. Really important, yeah. Um, Pediatrics there, giving acting lessons and yes. voice lessons right at the top. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, yeah, they, our mom's American. She moved to Canada to audition for the Stratford Festival. And where when she got in, um, she met my dad, who was also in the company. And they were both actors. So, And they were being able to pay their way doing Shakespeare. Fairly. Mm. I mean, they were, like, they both worked other jobs as well. But once you're in the company, I don't think dad worked other jobs for a while. He was doing it quite a bit. He was doing quite well. He was in a lot of shows and he was like well known in that community. Um, but then they both moved on to different things because they couldn't sustain it. But for a while there, they had a good run, I, I want to say. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I know. So do you guys have early memories of just being surrounded by Shakespeare and artists? <sighs> well, they left. Rox yeah. was born in Stratford and then they left shortly after. But like 
they took us to Shakespeare plays all the time as every year as kids and like also they especially our dad was just like creating stuff all the time like shooting stuff with us he would like black out our teeth and like make <laughs> us do like funny skits and we, <laughs> where we like had no teeth <laughs> here we had no teeth that was funny to him deliverance the <laughs> yeah. yeah or like we'd recreate cooking shows mm-hmm. like the two fat ladies yeah we'd, there was an old cooking show called the two fat ladies and they rode on one of those like mo- one of the, the motorcycle with like the little sidecar thing Amazing. yeah and we would recreate that we'd, like, with do british accents and like, we, i was like four like i don't know you were seven and we we would like do this so wait, where show. is this because you said you moved away from stratford so where was home they moved to toronto outside toronto okay. yeah about 30 minutes from. north of toronto in a place called Newmarket is where we moved and i was like i was young i was like a year old a couple years old right when they left stratford yeah 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 and then i was born in Newmarket. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, yeah. And they continued to be working actors throughout that time. Did they find other jobs? Dad stayed. He was working on a show called Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. I don't know if you've heard of David it. David Carradine. It's, it's, it's the a legend hilarious. always continues. The legend always <laughs> continues. Um, and he was doing a couple. He has a uh, he had a role um, in the cinematic masterpiece Tommy Boy. That's yeah, actually my wife's one of our favorite, favorite film. Really? That is literally really? her number one oh for God. her birthday. I was like, well, we now own it, so let's throw it Okay, so he, if you amazing. watch it anytime soon, he is the he plays like the mean, grumpy boss of Chris Farley. Yes. You know him. That's yes. the, yeah. the two letters. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. So there's a little piece of cinematic history. <laughs> yes. You can yeah. retire after that, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, we're retired because he did that. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... You're creating, he's he's kind of, they're both leading the way for you on this and making things where they black out your teeth. Where do you <laughs> start kind of taking a little bit of ownership of this? I think it didn't happen for until, I want to say high school for me, when I auditioned for, I auditioned for an arts high school. There was like, there was a dance program, a visual arts theater. So I auditioned for a theater program. And then that's when I really started to realize that I enjoyed acting and creating stuff. Um, and in that program, we did everything from clown work to Greek theater, to stand up comedy, to, I mean, it was a really awesome program. Yeah, it was like pretty renowned in, uh, in Toronto as an arts program. And, and then you did the same at a well, different school. Yeah, I, I went. They ended up changing the school board stuff, and I went to a different program, which I also loved, and got to do seventy-five minutes of theater work every day. That's incredible <clears throat> for four years, all throughout high school. Yeah, so that means before you're eighteen, you're like born into a Shakespeare company. You're already, you know, seeing what it's like to make your own content, not as like a, as a business, but as like a a passion and just part of what one does with their day. Yeah. And then by the time you actually get a diploma, you are trained actresses. Yeah. I mean, that's generous, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, we got an experience that a lot of people don't get. Um, And then I kind of like, went back and forth with like, I want to pursue acting after high school too. I want to pull back and do something else too. I don't know what the fuck I want to do. All that kind of stuff. So 
Are we allowed to swear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I swear. love swearing. Oh. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, <laughs> I saw my father-in-law for a Thanksgiving, and he was like, I've been listening to the podcast. I said, oh, really? Oh. That's, I, I didn't expect that. That's wonderful. And he's like, "It's I like it. A lot of swearing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Industry, industry people love to swear. Yeah. We're all viciously angry. I love yeah. that people think of Hollywood as, like, glamour. You know, yeah. red carpets and the Oscars. And it's like, no, it's a soundstage covered in sawdust and a bunch of swearing and, like, sweat. <laughs> Like, so true. Yeah, like plantains in the background. Yeah, plantains. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, Roxanne, how do you go from that moment to actually trying to make it a profession? Like, where does that happen for you? It, yeah, that's a really good question. It goes far back, and and I've been like in and out of. I've been like, okay, I'm going to do this, and then, oh, this isn't going anywhere. Fuck this, I'm going to give up. I'm going to do something else, and then a couple years pass. So that's like that was when I was 16. I think I had an age, a really good agent in Toronto and I was going out a bit and I booked like a few very, very small roles and I it wasn't going anywhere. And so I kind of um, I was like, this isn't working for me, so I'm going to quit. So I quit. And then I decided to move to L.A. Like that was three years later when I was, I think, around 19 or 20. I moved to L.A. Um, with my ex-husband so he was canadian okay i'm dual because of my mom mm-hmm. and <sighs> and uh i came to la and he knew a couple of modeling agencies so i got signed with modeling agencies and i kind of started modeling and then i picked back up on the acting thing again um and i think i did that because of arden actually because she started taking class at john rosenfeld or at oh, a yeah. couple different places and i was like huh if, Arden's doing this. Maybe I should try doing it again. Arden's That's having a moment right now. Crazy because I'm the little sister and I do everything my sister does. So, so I'm like, I'm the little brother. I I understand that. There's actually a lot that's kind of in common here because where I grew up, there was the California Shakespeare Festival was ten minutes from us. Oh my gosh. And well, my parents were both lawyers and not really creative in any way like that uh, I was allergic to everything so they didn't know what to do with me for summer camp Aww. and like they would send me to roughing at day camp and I'd be like I have an inhaler and I don't know how to swim <laughs> and eventually they put they found a place for me at the California Shakespeare Festival summer camp which was like a legitimate training program at the time I mean even as a the youngest group was called the Puckster and which Aww, I thought was so cute but it so still cute. led to these like 10 year olds putting on an hour long production of a show and you'd get a scansion class and you'd have like a Elizabethan culture class and the dance and all that stuff and I realized I had just gotten exposed to all this poetry and whatnot Mm -hmm. so much earlier and then the cool thing that you got to do if you were part of the camp was you basically had free tickets to the shows constantly so we would just like that's where the kids hung out was at the production of King Lear outside so and that's awesome. where it all kind of started for me and like the love of it so I feel like I very much like I enjoy and understand that um, I want to come back to you Arden in one second I have a yeah. question for you Roxana about because I'm fascinated about people who start super young mm-hmm. and then whether they stick with it or go away and come back first question what was something that was easier for you about acting when you were younger oh that's a really good question I go back to the high school theater program that I was doing. And I think it's easier when you're younger because you are just, you have no, you don't, 
care as much what other people think. I've really started to realize the older I get, I'm 28 now, with each passing year, I'm more cautious. I'm more judgmental of myself. I'm more afraid of the world, which seems, you'd think it would go the other way. But yeah, I think you're just much more free to explore and um, you're doing it you're doing it in a way that you're not really like aware, I feel like. You're not watching yourself as a kid or as a teenager. You're just doing it because it's fun. But I feel like as you get older, you're so much more aware. It's like you're watching yourself do everything that you're doing. And so that can create a lot of like blocks. Absolutely. Like your muse is yourself when you're that age. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, this is fun. Yeah. I like this choice. Yeah. And then maybe there's a little like nice feedback somewhere to, to slightly validate it, but mostly <laughs> you're just playing on your own. So same thing for you. What was it as a, as a kid that you feel like you really understood about acting and then what kind of changed or what big lessons did you have to learn as an adult? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Honestly, acting was just like the only thing, the only thing I ever had, the only tool I ever had to be creative. So it wasn't even anything I ever really was like, for a while I, I was saying I wanted to be an, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to move to LA and act, but like, I kind of knew that that wasn't really what I meant. It was like, it was the only tool I was ever really shown or had access to in school or at a young age that I was like, that made me feel good. And like, I was touching on something in my personality that like was creative and wanted to tell stories and wanted to just be a part of that in a certain way. Right. But it wasn't like, I also really, I always liked being in charge and being a leader. I was like angry and aggressive and I always was bossy and loud at what, what was your nickname in high school? Okay. Ooh, I, I want to know this. Yeah, what, what no, was I, I actually forgot. I'm not being facetious. My nickname was Scary. <laughs> no, but didn't they call you, so like, long. the commander or something? Oh, Chief. Oh, they chief. called her Chief. They called me Chief in my... <laughs> so... <laughs> the commander. So where does this come from, both of you? It, like, are, is, are both of your parents this way? One of them in particular? It seems like you both have this trait to an extent, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, like the leadership kind yeah. of thing. I don't Wanting know. Wanting to well, be in charge. I think, yeah. so our our parents were divorced when I was yeah. eight. She was four. Our dad passed away 10 years ago. And I think just also having kind of hand, a hands-off mom, like she's an amazing woman uh, and human being, but she was very... She's going to listen to this. You're hilarious, mom. Yeah, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Parental... <laughs> <laughs> she um, was a little hands-off. Just she, she was busy. She put herself through school while raising us and, um, you know, experimenting with different careers. And so she was a little kind of, like, uh, just doing her own thing. And, and we were kind of, or at least I felt like, as the oldest child, kind of left to figure this thing out. <laughs> this thing <laughs> meaning life. So I was like... Um, so, in a sense, you kind of have to become the leader of your own life when you're in that situation as, like, an adolescent, I think. Um, I think that might have something to do with it, you know? Well, at the same time, it seems like, while she might not be there in the most hands-on way, she's modeling for you, I'm going to put myself through school, I'm going to figure out what I like to do, no one is going to handhold or do this for me. Yeah. Which is pretty yeah. cool education to get passively, I think. Yeah, yeah, they always say that kids never listen to you but they watch you 
Yeah. And that's how they get all of their information. That was something a therapist told me early on is like, what were the lessons your parents taught you that they didn't realize they taught you? Mm-hmm. Like what were between the words? Mm-hmm. And I realized that those were so much more responsible. I mean, not entirely. Mm-hmm. That what they said mattered too. But that a lot of how I understood the world was based on how they lived their lives and whether mm-hmm. that seemed to work for them mm-hmm. or not. And oh my God, that makes me yeah. cry. <laughs> like so emotional. Sure. We got our first tears yeah. of the oh day this morning. And she really worked her butt off. And yeah, she was. she's a strong, independent woman. And she always has been. And so maybe we get that from her. She also has very strong opinions. She's like very, very judgmental. Mm-hmm. But she's very intelligent. So she has a right to be, you know. Um, yeah. So I think that definitely trickled Well, it's kind of a beautiful us. thing. Because I grew up in Berkeley, you know. That's a pretty progressive place. And yet I still have a lot of memories of young women not always being uh, encouraged to express all of their opinions and it's like that was considered a progressive bastion of values there and to hear that like this is being modeled for you this is kind of this is what it is Mm -hmm. no no ifs ands or buts about it I feel like that sets you up really nicely to understand what it's like to be in charge and to not feel like you have to people please as much right Um, so what was the first shared creative venture for you two and I don't mean that someone else put you in and blacked out your teeth what was yeah. the beginning of you two working it, together we also sorry please can I jump back to the other thing for a oh, second jump back. Okay. Also, I, have, I, I have something to say on the other thing oh, yeah. I'm going to clear out for like, I'm going to clear out and you two take it for a second <laughs> Uh, yeah, I realized thinking about like where that kind of leadership came from, I've been thinking recently because we we also just brought on like our first real employee at Light Layer, which I wanted to talk yes. to you about. But um and that's like such a huge thing to me. I to like have started a company and to ha- just hire my first employee. You're a job creator. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. You're responsible for how other people are able to pay for their lives. Yeah. Accomplish their dreams. It's an incredible thing. It's like, I, I'm like unbelievably proud of that. And 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 I think I've been so I've been thinking a lot about like being a business owner and like what that means and where that came from or that like need or desire wanted you know started. And I think our parents both like struggled financially their whole lives and talking about control and like leadership I think it was really important to both of us and you know we weren't that close growing up we actually which is crazy but when we it was we really like developed our relationship when we both moved to LA um but growing up separately I think like saw both of them struggle Mm. and feel out of control mm-hmm. and work for other people constantly and do work that they didn't really want to do. So even though they start, they were actors and they met as actors, but after they left Stratford, I think both of them went down a path that was like really hard for them. And, and they found them. I just, I just watched them constant my whole life essentially. Cause I wasn't born when they were working in Stratford, but my whole life, they were they were working for other people, and they were doing jobs they didn't want to do. And they were and they were struggling. struggling. Yeah. Like especially our dad, he was yeah. he had a really 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 hard time. So did you feel aware? Like I I don't want to do that. Every like every action is kind of towards creating a yes, life. Yes, hundred percent. We were we were fully aware of the financial 
situation in our family, like both of them talked to us about it, no matter how old we were. Not the best parenting. <laughs> Mom? <laughs> She'll laugh about that. But yeah, like we, we, she know, like we, we have yeah. a great relationship with our mom yeah. now. Like, she's an amazing Once you have a great person. relationship, you can give them notes. Exactly. Yeah. Feedback. Here's some By feedback. Way, yeah. Yeah. Um, Constructive criticism. Going off what Arden said, I completely agree. And I think that's a really good and honest point to bring up, sis. Because we, yeah, we, our goal without being too harsh, or my goal at least, is to not be like them in terms of their, how their careers turned out. And... I mean, in a way, it's kind of it sounds kind of harsh, but in a way, it's like we learned a ton of valuable lessons from them, and now we are able to create our own shit and be leaders, and yeah. we really know what we want, as opposed to kind of just like floating through life. So, in a way, we should thank them. Thank them. It's a beautiful lesson. <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it just became it, that's like money and and. Like, I realized, like, a year ago that I was like, oh, my God. I, I work a bartending job as well. Like, I work, like, we both do other jobs because that's what we need to do. But, but like, owning our company and having it be fully ours and never selling it and never, like, being, like, nobody else owns part of it, we own it. And we've built it from nothing with our own money, our own savings. We make weekly investments <laughs> into our bank account mm -hmm. to try and manage, you know, our our overhead. But, like, that's just, like, so that's – I didn't even know that I wanted that, but now that I'm somewhere – some few steps into it, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm never letting this go. Yeah. This is ours, and we built it together, you know? Okay, well, then let's segue into it. How did Light Layer come about? What, what's the origin story there? Okay. Actually, you can stop me if I miss, mess anything up, but this is how I recall it. Love it. Okay, so I was in an acting class at John Rosenfeld Studios. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was in a class with, do you know Kate Duffy? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Amazing woman, fantastic writer, amazing actress. Um, and we were doing writing projects. Yes. And... I luckily got paired with her, so she wrote a scene for me, and she's an amazingly talented writer. And she wrote a beautiful scene, and this was, I hadn't done anything really filmmaking related besides the stuff we'd done with our dad when we were kids. Um, and she wrote a beautiful scene. She knew nothing about me. We weren't really friends at this point, but she wrote a beautiful scene about um, a young woman who was on her wedding day having second thoughts and... Um, has a father who is either sick and can't be at the wedding or passed away or and about uh, sisters and it's about two sisters <laughs> yeah and I remember being like wow she doesn't know me at all but this is so on point for like I could tap into this so easily this is you know the father thing the sister connection um you'd been married too. I've been I mean, married some people too. Don't even can't even imagine what that day is really like for them. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and so I don't know where I got the idea. I think I was just feeling really fed up and not f completely fulfilled with just acting, and I was really interested in filmmaking. And I was like, okay, I I want to produce and direct this and shoot it and enter it into the film festival at John Rosenfeld Studios. So I went to Arden and said, hey, do you want to do this with me? So she was the producer. I directed. Awesome. Um, and we shot it over two days. We, we 
we knew nothing about filmmaking. We we didn't even know what a grip truck was. We didn't know. So you felt comfortable jumping in as the director and the star right off the bat. <laughs> no, I, I'm amazed by that. I was I feel like, like that's a lot of bravery and uh, trust in yourself that a lot of people would kick that can down the road a little bit. Like, oh, okay, well, I'll act in the first one and maybe I'll figure out a little bit of the producing angle on this. But that's, yeah. that's a, it's taken on a lot, and I'm, that's impressive. Well, I, yeah, I don't know what... I, it's hard to remember exactly what I was thinking during that time, but I think I was in a place of, like, I'm... I was feeling stagnant and I wanted to try something brand new and I'm a super black and white personality, all or nothing. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to, I'm going to obsess over it. And so, yeah, it was, it is a little crazy, but yeah. What kind of stuff did you do to prepare? Like what was the learning curve for you? Yeah. So I, um, I did a ton of research, a ton of research. I, like was reading articles, listening to podcasts, watching movies that were in the same genre and tone as say the word. Mm-hmm. And I just did a ton of like asking questions and mostly asking Google questions and like figuring <laughs> out how to do this, how to do that. And um and then I used my background in before this, I was working for a magazine called Live Fast Mag, and I was doing a ton of um, producing still photo shoots and producing social media content and um, that that kind of stuff. So I kind of used that, what I had learned in that world, and brought it to this film and just put the pieces together. Um, but yeah, a ton of research and preparation. Like I was so prepared. I was so immersed in it. It was, like, all I could think about. It was almost unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. And not almost. <laughs> but, it, but, I mean, you know, artists are insane. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, obsession can pay off. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, isn't that what, like, Phantom Thread is all about? Like, oh, my obsession God. Obsession is, is going to get you there, but it also might make you Destroy difficult you. for a little bit. <laughs> you crazy. Time. Yeah. Um, and what about you with producing, Arden? Like, had you done anything in that realm before? And Yeah, well, I think what was cool was, like, so... I moved out to L.A. six years ago, and Rox moved out seven years ago. And um, we both were in, like, different um, worlds when we first moved out here. And, well, yeah. I found my way into music and was working as a tour manager for, like, two years with a band who had just started. At the young age of 21? At the young age of (laughs) 19, (laughs) actually. I was 19. (laughs) Um, No, they they were just starting out, and I was, like, doing assistant work for them. And then I don't really remember how it happened, but I think I, like, asked their manager. Like, I was just – they were going on their first tour, and I was like, hey, Sarah, I want to go on tour with them. And she was like, oh, okay, well, you should go as their tour manager. I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she kind of taught me how to do it. Um, but that was, that was, like, really transferable skills from tour managing to producing. Mm-hmm. Even though the, the, the logistics and, like, the facts of it all change, right? And, like, the names of things and the flow changes a bit. But, like, you're still – I was still basically – really young and producing a live show every night with the help of the the four uh, band members who were um, performing, right? And 
It was very funny, actually. I was like going on. I was like, remember, talk about a hands off mom. I was like, yo, mom, I'm going on tour like around the country in a van with four boys. She was like, okay. She's like, have fun. (laughs) No questions asked. And it ended up being kind of an awesome, just an awesome experience. But yeah, but I did find myself around the same time that I think Rox found herself kind of stagnant and fed up and not really in the right, doing exactly the right stuff. I did find myself realizing that like, I don't want to work this hard for music. I want to work this hard in film, which is where, what I love and, you know, that type of storytelling and that type of art is really what, what matters to me. And then, um, so I kind of stopped working with the band and Rox and I, we're like, we should start a production company, right? Like, we should just do it. Like, we don't know what that means, but like, let's after, just do it. This was after Say the Word. No, though. this was before Say really? the Word. Yeah. Okay, so got it. Because <laughs> we like, remember we went to the Rise Festival and we were, oh, yeah. we were amateur hour productions at that point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we shot something on our iPhone, like, you know, and I was like transitioning out of iMovie into Premiere. Like, I'm an editor now, so I was like, for the first time, learning how to use Premiere and going out of iMovie like I don't even know you know and we so we everyone's gotta start somewhere yeah yeah yeah. and oh yeah I guess you're right it was around the same time that this all kind of culminated and we and then say the word well then and then so I think the idea started festering right that we were like we didn't know what it meant to start a production company by the way I I, I didn't I I trusted my big sister so what what does that technically mean a production company it, it can be it can be anything for us. It's a full service kind of situation. So it's like we 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 can come in at any stage. But what we really like to do is start at the beginning with developing stories, either or concepts if it's a music video or yeah, whatever, yeah. either with ourselves or with other writers or directors and whatnot, and then bringing it all the way through the many stages of production until the end like, delivery of the final product. And I mean, all those stages, it's just like creating a budget, hiring crew, uh, communicating with the clients. Um, Relationships with uh, equipment houses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Booking all the equipment, um, making sure all of your, you're protected legally. So you have location releases and you have insurance insurance yeah insurance we love insurance yeah we got it yeah no but seriously for anyone who is listening to this right now insurance can be a really it can be one of the big barriers to entry and making your own content and a lot of times what people will do is find a production company like light layer and that will end up leading to a whole bunch of wonderful ways you all can work together Mm -hmm. um and your variety like suite of services can come into play but i've that insurance right there going under the banner of your company can allow for somebody to make their their show. Oh yeah, a hundred hundred percent. Huge way that people should be meeting you. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. reasons for it, but that to me seems like I, I meet so many people who've never created their own content before, and then they run into that one, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, that is so much more money than I thought. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it." Mm-hmm. And right. also, what is insurance? It's scary. <laughs> Why yeah, liability it's, insurance? It's like, yeah. isn't that? Isn't that kind of an oxy, not an oxymoron, but what's, what is it, what is that phrase when it's two words yeah, that are the same? Oh, no. Like, oh, back to like back. Like ATM machine? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is that called? It's like liability, insur- it's like 
Isn't that what insurance Insurance is, is liability. Yeah. yeah. Is it? <laughs> it's also like a bet that something's going to go wrong. Like I'm putting this money down because I have to, but also by doing it, I've ensured that I'm going to break something. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. I mean, I can. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh. Actually speaking of, so that's funny. We, we, so we jumped in, right? We jumped in, we did a, our first short film, Rox directed it, starred in it. If people want to see Say the Word, is there is yes. it on the it's on our website. website? It's on our website, yes. Mm-hmm. So you've got a light layer productions. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes. So um, I don't need to walk you through it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it's, you know, I did a couple interviews with the people who recently just won at the JRS Short Film Fest this year, and uh, which you two produced Oh Baby. Oh so Baby. Oh, Shout oh, out baby. to the Oh Baby Shout team. They're them. incredible. Those ladies uh, are amazing. But one thing that's hard about that is like I can't link to the movie yet because right. it's yeah. got a whole festival run, and I I get it. But yeah. something that's also fun is to be like we can actually see some of your work yeah. right now yeah. on your website and see what it is that you're creating, which is yeah. I think really exciting. Yes, and it's crazy how I just recently rewatched Say the Word. We shot it to in summer of 2016, right? Yeah. So like so like two and a half years. Yeah. Ago. And I watched it, and I was like. I mean, obviously, so many things that I would have done differently. Um, <laughs> but it was really interesting to see like the inception of Light Layer and of us as filmmakers and then look at some of the stuff we've made more recently and how it's we've grown so much and like gotten so much better. So in, yeah. you said two years? Two, two and, and a half, half years. Two years. Yeah. So hit some hit some stats for me a little bit as best you can like how much have you guys done in two years oh. I looked at your website it's 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 prolific at this point <laughs> <laughs> that's insane yeah uh, I love telling people this yeah in our first so we we started with say the word and then we just like put savings into it and like it took us like fucking four months five months to make and like finish and there was just so much drama between me and rocks yeah <laughs> we started going to therapy after that actually because we were I'm like so, so traumatizing the fights were real like that was insane it was it was it was hard it and was let me really just hard. To, in case anyone's wondering this isn't facetious you guys go to therapy together to work on the creative relationship and how you guys manage that yeah we're not we, currently in therapy but we we have we spent a year in therapy and we we work on our relationship because we are sisters, business partners, best friends. We speak every single day. We know everything there is to know about each other. We, we lived together. We lived together at this time when we were doing Say the Word. We worked from home. We worked from home. So <laughs> it was nonstop. I'm kind of of the belief that everyone should be in therapy. Me too. Like, Especially us in that situation. <laughs> and then you add in anything about this kind of business and working closely with people. It's I mean, People act like it's, oh, God, I'm, I don't have anything really going wrong right now. Well, great. That's what a great time to start. Yes, mm-hmm. it's so true. It's so so true. many of the people who've come and done this podcast with me, the vast majority of them have a really good language and history with therapy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, I think, helped them figure out how to achieve what they want and what the blocks are in their way um can you share anything practical that you guys learned and from that process about how you work together or advice to people who are working with a very close partner Oof. i don't I mean, know if we're equipped to get yeah. advice yeah. we're still like, take this with a grain of salt yeah but um yeah. i think definitely what helped us is taking making putting physical space in between us so we don't live together anymore we both got our own apartments it took a while to get to that place because you know moving is a bitch but 
it was, it definitely, our relationship is so much better now that we're living apart. Mm. So just no two people should be that on top of each other all the time. I don't think, even if you're married, like you gotta do your own stuff. So I think physical space, I think, um, we, we essentially like went through a divorce this year. Mm-hmm. It was a really hard year. This is like yeah. the most amicable divorce I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. Yeah. We're on good terms now, but yeah. you should have seen us. I mean, we've been through a lot this mm-hmm. year. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. There was a point where like, I didn't think we were going to be okay. Yeah. We got into a physical fight. If we're getting real here well, on yeah. the podcast, we, we punched each we other punched in each the other. face. And <laughs> shoved it. it was not chill. It was not chill. It was I mean, scary. We, we, we can have laugh a about history it now. of rage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. History um, of rage. Can that please be the name of your memoir? Yes. Yeah. History <laughs> of rage is no joke. Yeah. We like, it was over like this, not the stupidest thing, but it was like, it was over a work thing mm-hmm. and it exploded and we were in our house and we, yeah, we just got into a fist fight. Yeah. And my friend was visiting from Canada. Perfect. Shout out to Anisha. She, yeah. she ran upstairs to try and break it up. She said it sounded like two cats tussling upstairs. <laughs> like she didn't even know what was happening, but she was like, "You guys!" She like she like actually we had just shut. We had just kind of ended it, but she made sure it was ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, the that is like after that we were both like that is the, the rock bottom as far as our relationship. Like we're yeah. two grown adults and we're like when we love punches. each other and no, like we should never ever get physical with anyone ever so we that really made us look at ourselves and have a lot of long talks we use tools that we that I've learned in therapy separately that I I go see this guy who's amazing um and I've learned a lot of tools from him about like how to talk with people that you're having conflicts with talk about it heart-centered listening shout out to Johnny (laughs) shout out to Johnny (laughs) we all three of us see Johnny oh yeah (laughs) And I actually want to get him on the podcast. We can have a conversation. You should. Oh, he's incredible. And he I think is a lot of amazing. And my boyfriend and I go and see him together and, and separately. And I've never been to Johnny, by the way. He wasn't our therapist. But but I just relay all the information. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> our, our therapist. Yeah. It's interesting to, like, unpack family baggage through the lens of professional day-to-day work. Well, let's do it through the lens of a podcast. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And by interesting, I mean horrible. It's horrible to unpack that. It's painful. It's painful, but those are growing pains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That phrase exists for a reason. I think people think growth should just be this, like, natural, easy progression, and I turn from, like, a caterpillar into a butterfly. (laughs) Yeah. Life is so fucking great. It's like, no, it can be (laughs) wrenching, and, like, it can leave scars, Mm -hmm. but you you found your shape from it. Yeah. 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 I want to go back to the stats Please. thing. Tell me the I stats. Love. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The stats. We got to get the stats. So we got, we started with say the word and then we basically told people for six months that we, we well, when say the word was done, we were like, okay, this isn't trash. So like maybe we should keep going. <laughs> like, you know, and then we told people for like six months that we'd started a production company and that we were like ready for hire. Did we, and we like make our website? We did but it was the old one it was like way more simple yeah we started kind of developing our brand and this was right before like the Harvey Weinstein thing came out and me too right before right before but I think it was in the air right Mm -hmm. yeah and just who we are when we were like writing about who we are we 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 said like okay well we want to focus on telling women's stories and hiring women in every position behind the lens because yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> um, because that's just what fucking matters to <laughs> right? And then, and then for six months we just like had no work and we were lying to people and saying that we were a production company and that we knew what we were doing and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, work started coming in, 
out of nowhere, just by word of mouth. It just kind of started coming in. People needed help. And we just started saying, great, as long as this can be a light layer project, then we'll do this yeah. for free or for shit pay <laughs> or working with, you know, male directors who we love, we love and like helped us get experience and everything. But that's not really what we were aiming to do. But we were just saying yes to anything. And we, we needed, needed to experience. Yeah. We needed to learn. And we ended up doing 12 projects in our first 12 months. Holy cow. Just the two of us. And this we is didn't a mix sleep. of shorts, music videos. And commercials. And commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So short form content solely. But yeah, it was insane. I like, it was insane. I I don't know how we I blacked it. out. <laughs> there was one month where we had f- four shoots. Yeah. And I was like, and one of them was in Good Texas. night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. I, I, yeah, I've never worked so hard in my entire life. But sorry, one thing you were saying that made me realize something that I wanted to share is that, um, at the beginning, when we were discovering our mission statement and all that, when um, I was, I remember really feeling, I think we both felt like, oh, I wish I got into filmmaking earlier. Like, I wish I knew that that was an option for me earlier. And it's not that no, it's not that anybody told me that it wasn't an option. It's just that I really didn't see women making movies. Mm-hmm. And I still don't see a lot. So, and all of my favorite directors are and were Scorsese. White men. And Kubrick and PTA. And, you know, so, yeah, white men. And so it never occurred to me that I could do it. And so I think that was a huge, huge moment for us when we realized, like, we just need to, if, if we're not seeing a lot of women making movies, we, we need to foster it and, and do it ourselves. So that kind of fed into, like, the light layer yeah. Um, and it came from like a place of like, oh, I wish I figured this out earlier. Yeah. But and that's it's so true, because like I said, going back to like me acting and in like when I was younger and then coming out here and kind of wanting to be an actor, like I always I think I told people in high school when I was like saying I was going to move to L.A. and I told myself and I told my fa- my mom and everyone like and everyone I talked to that like, yeah, I love acting, but I also probably want to do something like producing or directing or editing. Like, I don't know. I don't know what those are. So I need to like try them and see. But I do like I did know what those were. It's just that I, I did know what those jobs were, but no one was doing them who looked like me or who was like me. So. And no one's inviting you to and no, learn those things. No one's inviting you. <laughs> They're de- you're definitely not getting an invite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get some real, like, and air traffic control signals. Yeah, Roxy's... Rocks no, not take off. I'm very physical, yeah. Forward. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, I, I, you know, you can look up what a director does. You can look up what an editor does. All my favorite movies, I know who directed them. I know who, you know, like, but I... It was just that I didn't really want to tell people that I wanted to do that because I didn't think I could. Like, I didn't think it was really an option for me. Not that I didn't have what it took, but just that, like, oh, why would I be able to? I'm a woman. And it wasn't even that conscious of a thought. It's a a completely subconscious feeling, right? But it was like, there's no example of that existing. And Reed Morano says it the best, but she says, you can't become what you can't see. Oh, I love that. And it's like... It's like, like, fuck yeah, you can't? Like, what the fuck? It takes you, you know, way longer than it should because you're just, like, sitting around with your thumb up your ass being like, okay, (laughs) what are the jobs for women? It's like, no. (laughs) I also love hearing you say it because I also think it's... I often think, like, 
as a white male in this industry, like, what can, what am I supposed to do? What is my role? And part of it, I think, is just to fucking listen. I was because, 100%. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say. You can't you have empathy that. until you sit and listen. So that's a really great point that you bring up. Is like just listening to people and and opening up that conversation and just being an, a shoulder or an ear and letting them tell you what their experience has been like, I think creates so much empathy. So yeah. true. And like, there is a difference. I just want to hit on this because I've never really like thought about it before, but there's a difference between, between feeling like I don't have what it takes to do something and I'm just not allowed to do something. I've, I've always felt pretty confident about my intelligence and my drive and my like capabilities to like do a job really well. So it wasn't that I like didn't have the confidence. It was just that I, I didn't think that was allowed. You it know, just wasn't an yeah. it just wasn't an option. And that creates a lot of internal like conflict and confusion and like, like stress yeah. and like like and, and a, a feeling I think of like I have so much inside of me, but like I need to get it out. I need to like express it, but I'm not sure how to. How to because this because I only have these few. Like rocks is a great example. Like I think. People just told you that you should be an actress or a model like your whole life. No one ever told you you should be a fucking director, which you should. <laughs> and you are. You know, you should be in charge. Like you and isn't that interesting? It's, it's so sexist in and of itself. Like I, just, I think it's really. Yeah. And I think it's like that's a, a big lesson that I learned, like coming from childhood, adolescence up until now, I think is like I never really sat and listened to to what I want ever. I was always like, oh, this person says, I'm I'm a good actor, I should be an actor, or I'm a model, or I should be a model. And this person, and I'm like, oh, well, I should be because that's what people are telling me, so. <laughs> and then you but, have a bunch of men hiring you to do it and saying like, oh, yeah. what a lovely job you're doing and this is, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I'll handle all of the other stuff. Yeah, exactly, when really I'm on set and I'm like, wait, but I'm curious, like, what's that guy doing? And what, what's, what's, what's that light do? And what, what camera are they shooting on? And I'm like, I have all these curiosities, but I am just limited to my own beliefs about myself based off of what other people have told me. And I think that, you know, if I ever have kids, I will, I think it's important to let them get quiet and listen to what they truly want to do and not, and take what everyone else is saying and kind of like get rid of it. Cause I never did that really yeah. until now. Yeah. It's a little late. Well, it's really not <laughs> awesome, but, but, but it's, yeah. it's you know frustrating I mean. that it didn't happen earlier, but mm -hmm. yeah. I have so many questions from this. So <laughs> yeah. Thank you for like, listening. Brian. No, please, yes. I, I feel want, like we've I been talking. More. I want more. Um, and we might get off the rails uh, going down a tangent. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But let's try kind of a lightning round here ish. If we can okay. a year, 12 projects since then, how many more? Because it's been two and a half years now, right? So we kind of stopped counting. Yeah. So it was just insane. Untold numbers. But yeah, yeah, yeah. probably Legion around twenty-five. Yeah, twenty-five-ish mm -hmm. projects. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a shitty question. Uh, what's the like biggest, most practical lesson you had to learn in that two and a half years? And we're doing like lightning rounds. Yeah, like contracts. I mean, contracts. Contracts. And, like the, the ins and outs of them. Or? No, like never do anything without a contract. <laughs> okay, expand on that just a little bit. Okay, so like if you're getting together or so if if your friend comes to you and says like, hey, I want to make this movie, I'm going to put $5,000 into it, will you guys produce and direct it? 
write up a little agreement about and discuss roles and responsibilities with one another. And expectations. And expectations and sign it. It doesn't need to be formally written by a lawyer, but it just needs to be, it's more like, when I say contracts, I mean like more prompting you to have that conversation before you dive into anything, um, just to protect everybody. And then once there's rules and structure, as Johnny says a lot, like if you have structure and rules, then you can feel safe to to play and go and explore and and get creative. So I feel like if you're collaborating with somebody, a friend or a professional, just have a contract or an agreement. And it doesn't need to be perfect, but just something that starts a conversation about, you know, who's doing what, who gets what out of this, what do we both want out of this, all that. What do you say to somebody who's like uncomfortable to have that conversation either because they're worried they will piss off someone they're working with or that they don't know what to put in there? Um, then you're not ready to make something. You need to get there before you start making it. That's what I would say. And I lovingly, agree. I agree. No, <laughs> I agree. But a, a good like, if you if somebody, I would say that's the kind of thing where I mean we're, we all get scared on day to day basis to have awkward, uncomfortable conversations with people. You just got it. You got to do it. I would do it because it's one of those things that afterwards you'll, you'll feel so much better. And whoever you approach will respect you that much more for taking this seriously and for protecting both of you in yeah. the situation. And taking time, take like, take your time. If also you're not reach ready to out to it. us. Yeah. If, if you have a question about that kind of conversation, email us or that's, that's like our main thing. That's just, it comes up time and time again. Well, you yeah. even said that if you can't see it, you can't do it. And I feel like if you can't actually call out what the agreement is for, that's just a different version. If it yeah. can't be made manifest, you're not ready to do it yet. And what's, it's so true. And like, what's interesting is as soon as you start talking about what should be in the contract, then you start asking yourself, you're, you're giving yourself the time and space to say, what do I want? Like, what, do, how do I want this to look? And even if you, it's your first film or your first project, so you don't really know, like, I don't know how this goes in festivals. Like, do I, you know, do I want, or I don't know if I should be credited as this or as this. First of all, we are here. You can ask us. We can give you our advice. And and only because we've learned, we've learned the hard way where we've been like, fuck, we didn't ask for that. We're such <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> I fucking hate myself. We are like, self-deprecating. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then we get mad at each other and then we're like, fuck, we both suck. Before you know yeah. it, we're in a fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll like, Anisha to help. Right. Anisha, come here. <laughs> um, we, so we are here and you can ask us if, you, if anyone ever needs, but also to just slow down and take a second and think, what do I, what do I want from this and how, what are some of the, a few, a few bare minimums that I want to like make sure I have here based on my experience so far. And then what will happen is once you honor that and give that a little space, then as things also start to come up where you, as you're learning, right? Cause you can't know everything up front in order to put it into a contract or an agreement. Like you can't, but as you're learning, then you'll have started this pattern with the other people that you're working with where you can bring it up. You'll have, you know, so like mm -hmm. as they it come starts up, a new pattern. Exactly. Okay. And you've set the expectation with your partners or with whoever you're working that you will ask for what you want and you'll out, you'll be clear about what you're expecting from them. I like that. Yeah. Um, how do you choose your projects? Well, is it just, I mean, cause it can't just be anything that crosses <laughs> your desk. Yeah. We have a, we even started at one point a document that kind of outlines like what 
like, does this project check at least half of these boxes? If the answer is yes, then that's something we're interested in. If the answer is no, then it's probably not the right project for us. And I think some of those things were, were um, is it is it is it about a woman or is it centered around a female story? Is it written by women? Is it um, does it speak to us? I think like is it well written? Is it a story that we want to know more about? Um, if it's else? a male writer or director or team, but the script is great and passes the Bechtel test with like flying colors, are you guys interested, or is that not really in the business? That's plan? that's I'm a great question. So, I, yeah, I think we we champion and are trying to cultivate and nurture up and coming female directors and their teams. That's like what we want to do. However, the other the other part of what we are trying to do is we're trying to work with male allies who we love and respect who want to help you know diversify their crews and make sure that they're like 50 50 you know like that's just as important because not all sets are going to be it's not about having all sets be all women or it's not about whatever only having female directors it's that's that's something that we're working on and that's like our goal but we love and support so many of our male directors, producers, you know, editors, cinematographers, cinematographers, like all those things. So we have resources for them to hire a more balanced crew. And it literally just takes like 15, 14% more effort to ask, think about who you've worked with, who's, who's a woman or a woman of color or, you know, um, a minority and, and think, wow, can I offer them a paid job over someone who looks like me and who, you know, it might be a little more obvious to hire, right? It's just a little bit of effort that it takes. And and your your end result, like the art will show it, you know, which is cool. And we are here and want to partner with male writers, directors, producers, cinematographers. Like we want to partner with them because we it, we're all about changing the industry from the ground up. So let's Let's help you. Let us help you hire a more balanced crew, mm-hmm. right? And just yeah, like cool. if you want our input, a friend of ours sent us his script because it was kind of sensitive information, and like asked for our input, and that was such an honor because mm-hmm. he was going out of his way to ask two women about a script that involved two women. Involved two women, and you know what? He should have asked us, and he did, and we love you. <laughs> it was wildly important. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's, I don't know, I think that's also a great service to men who are nervous about writing points of view that are not theirs. Totally. Because, yes, we need more diversity across the board, but I also, I don't think it would help for men to be like, well, I can't write a feature with uh, a female lead. Right. Well, great. Then you're just limiting creativity. So how about I reach out to people who can make sure that this is actually honest and representative and get some more uh, feedback along the way and help developing the story that you want to tell? A hundred percent. And is... I also think like and, and, and then when you go when it like start in the development stage, when you're writing, asking people who share the same experience as your lead character or the characters that you're trying to write. And then when you're bringing on your editor and your composer and your director. producers and director, like ask women or or women of color or whoever identifies with the character to kind of make it I mean that'll just bring authenticity exactly exactly we're all going after something honest yeah hopefully for god's sakes hopefully yeah Yeah. Um, so is the goal 
um, I might not have an, uh, a good enough prototype, but it's like, is the goal being Annapurna? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Period. Oh. But we also we also do all sorts of media types. Um, you recently made the jump to features, Roxana. Is that correct? Oh my God! Yes. Um, so I I acted in a film last year, mm-hmm. um, and the same production company that did that film brought me to associate produce another one of their features this past year. I was just there in November um, for a month and I was, it was an insane, uh, insanely amazing experience. I learned so much. I had never been in the feature world before and I, I had also never been on with, well, how do I say this? Arden and I, teach ourselves everything we know. So like I, we don't really have many mentors to look up to that are a little bit ahead of us. Um, but not too far, but not too far ahead. So we kind of just make it up as we go, which is great and amazing. But I was really, really, really excited to be amongst other producers and filmmakers who are way more experienced than me, who I kind of like, I have a mentor now, the producer, the lead producer of this project, he it was absolutely amazing and he really like taught me so much without even trying to teach me and I kind of just um, felt like that was exactly what I needed because I hadn't had a chance to really dive in and learn from people who knew more than me. I was just kind of figuring it out as I went along. And Are you guys cap- okay going a couple minutes long? Yeah. yeah. minutes long. Yeah. Are we at the end of our time? Well, I mean, we're getting at about an hour, and that was wow. what I told you. Wow. I know it goes by oh real God. fast. That's There's insane. other stuff I wanted to talk about, but I also yeah. don't yeah. want to carry too long. So, anything else from, I mean, I, I bet we could do a whole podcast just on what you learned. From <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you ever want to, the door is open for both of you. Please come back. Um, but is there anything, any, any like lesson that you do want to throw out there for anyone who's getting ready to make the jump from shorts into features? Anything? Yeah. I think. I'm trying to think of the two main main things that I learned. Number one is, I okay, imposter syndrome is real, but it's not real. So it, <laughs> don't. So I like went into it obviously being like they called me out of the blue. I went into it being like, why are they hiring me? Like they like I I, I don't I don't know anything about features. I don't know anything about anything. Like what? Like this is crazy. But I went and I did it, and I was scared shitless. I was so nervous. But every day I just kind of tried to do my best. Tried to do my best. Tried to do my best. And um, they actually called me to put me on a soft hold for their next project. So you know, congratulations. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yes. It was it's, well earned. It was so validating. But I'm just saying, um, I had so much imposter syndrome arriving onto that set and working with all these producers who knew so much more than me and who had a lot more of experience than me. Um, but the feeling of like coming out on the other side, trying your best, and even though you have imposter syndrome, I think is is the best feeling. Like so. That was, the, that was one of the main things I learned. Imposter syndrome, because I really think it's just being aware that you don't know as much as other people. Yeah. Like, and that, 
that's just going to be what learning anything is. Mm -hmm. And the creative process can be such an asshole about that because even if you have worked a lot, each new creative process, you are starting at the beginning. Yeah. So everything you ever take on, you're going to have that moment where there's, there's learning curve to happen, whether it's a a skill you don't have before relationships you haven't met or just, well, I've got to create this character from the ground up. All of those things kind of start from nothing. And if you just keep paying in a little bit, eventually you have a lot of equity in it. And then people look at you as someone who knows something. Mm -hmm. And then, It happens kind of effortlessly, and you can generally, I think, realize it a lot more when you realize how other people are treating you. Yeah. Oh, I've somehow passed this. I guess at some point I I stopped being an imposter. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, it's like calling, I wish we just called it like, it's just being a beginner. Right. I know. It literally is just being a beginner. And I, and you know, I realized partway through, I was like, they all, all of the, my colleagues here, like, they all know my experience level. They don't think I'm some like... I have like a couple million dollar movies under my belt. Like they know I've worked on short form projects. I'm self-taught and they are treating me with respect and kindness. And this is a great working environment. So I don't need to pretend like I know more than I do because what I know is enough. Yeah. So and I going back to your question about like kind of lightning around what we learned in the first year Please. and Rox is so she's so fucking good at this. And that's like, I've always, Sweet. I've always looked up to her about it. And, and I, like, Two things. So what one thing, the other thing that I learned in the, in starting this is that like, you just need to say what you are and hold it proudly. And you just need to tell people what you are and what you're doing. Like, just say it. And, you know, maybe they look at you weird. Maybe they judge you if you're this slash this slash this, whatever. Who gives a fuck if you're doing it? They're going to judge you a lot more if you can't say it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm a... And you'll never... Yeah. I'm going to look at you pretty weird if you can't even fucking say it yet. So true. I think that kind of gets to what you were saying. If you're you're not ready to put an agreement together, you're not ready to do it yet. Yeah. It's not, fuck you, you're not ready. It's, no, there's some important steps here and totally able to hold space for that you need to be able to hold space for the entirety of the production totally if you're going to be a leader a leader on a project on a shoot then you need to be able to take a minute and think about what you want if you're going to be the leader of your own fucking life you need to be able to say what you are you know to people mm-hmm. and like that is the biggest lesson that i learned i was 21 when i was 21 yeah jesus how old am i no 20 22 when we started it and I was not ready to take up that space and I watched my sister do it. She and I, and that meant that showed that like kind of kicked me into gear. I was like, okay, I just need to either pull up my socks and like rise to it and just start telling people that I'm an equal to her because we started this, you know, together or I need to just wither away and be nothing. (laughs) I think you made the right choice. (laughs) Yeah. And Rox is like, she, she was in Georgia. She was, or she was, on a movie set in a role that wasn't fully satisfying to her as an actress. And she just told people that she was also producing and directing and check out my site. She just said that, you know? And guess what? It came back around a year later in like a huge, a huge, huge way just because she took up the space to say it. Even though you probably didn't feel like... Like, yeah, it's super I, like yeah. super confident inside. You probably weren't like 
yeah, fucking, I'm the best producer. Hire me, you know? Probably like, every repetition you had at doing that makes you stronger, you know? Probably mm-hmm. the first time you do it, there's a chance that if a strong gust of wind comes, you might be like, oh, wait, that's not okay. <laughs> yes. Today. yes. And then you get up and you do it again and exactly. get a little more resilient, and eventually people are like, oh, they, they do that. They're claiming that space. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No one else is. So mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. if you are, that probably means you have some talent at it and some ability, and that's really exciting. Um, tell me what the company motto is. So we have a lot of mottos on our website. There was one value yes. you mentioned to me, and I thought it was pretty great. Yes. yes. So okay. our motto is um, supporting women in film by hiring women. Um, that's like our, our broader motto. And then we have a bunch of – if you go to our website on our core values page, we outline a lot of things that really matter to us and that are like company values. And one thing that's been coming up a lot is – recently in conversations just in our personal lives, not even necessarily surrounding work, but is kind of one of the one of the core values, which is um, if one person says it's offensive, then it's offensive. And what that kind of means to us is that it's not really that hard to accommodate, to listen to people when they're telling you that something you did offends them or something you said offends them, and then to accommodate and just go forward differently, moving forward. And so, like, here's the thing. We are super privileged, and we are, like, just, you know, middle-class white women. We've been we've been born with privilege, like, out our fucking assholes, you know? And we... And I think... What we try to do, we put that motto in there because it's really important to us to set an example also for other privileged white people and just privileged in any way, in any form, um, to – it's not like you're going to – if you want to be – if you want to make a change and you want things to change and you really want people to to come up, you know, and stories to be told and equality to exist – then you have to listen when people are telling you that something doesn't work for them. Yeah, and there's this whole there's a whole culture now I feel like of people being like, "Oh, well, I can't do comedy anymore because everybody's so Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Todd Phillips loved the Joker, but <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, it's just like it's like we, people are so sensitive. People are so sensitive. I can't like express myself anymore. And, and I think we really try to combat that with but there are so many ways to express yourself and so many ways to make people laugh and so many ways to create art. If somebody tells you that they're offended by something, you, you like, and you've had a lifetime of privilege, like you just, just tweak it a little bit, like tweak it, cut a word from your vocabulary or change this or change that. It's not that hard. And I think that we believe that that will create um, just a better environment a better working environment a better world a better better conversations well there's so. so much talk about diversifying but then okay so let's say you hire some more people of color people from a different uh nationality you can go down sexuality whatever whatever it is so often then you hear stories of those people saying well no one actually wanted to hear what i had to say and when i actually complained about something or pointed out a way to make this better like gabrielle union is going through this right now mm-hmm. that then you're fired 
And it's like, and why weren't you somehow like appreciating the opportunity? It's like, no, just hiring somebody is not enough. Then you need to let them actually affect the work environment. And if they don't, you might as well just hired your brother. So yes. fucking so true. well said. So well said. Yes. Okay, well, soapbox check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we hit this, and uh, so two last things, and then we're gonna wrap up. Um, Golden Globe nominations came out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna list off four. Fuck you! I'm gonna list off four movies. I want you to tell me what they have in common: Little Women, The Farewell, Bombshell, and Hustlers. Any idea what those four have in common? Female directors, Female directors and <laughs> writers. No. None of them nominated for Best Picture. Oh no, yes. wait. Bombshell wasn't directed by a woman. Bombshell no. Was not. Bombshell Sorry. Was written oh, by a woman. written by written a by woman. woman. Okay. So okay. It was. Good. These are movies about women with women above uh, above the line. And none of them got a nom for Best Picture, and none of them, I guess you take Bombshell out, none for Best Director. Yeah. Right. Uh, can I just clear out and give you guys a couple minutes to It's Tarant. It's, bull- it's bullshit, <laughs> it's and it's infuriating, up. and it's, we, I, I've seen, I haven't seen Bombshell yet. I've seen Hustlers, um, also Honey Boy. Honey, Honey Boy. Boy. Fucking <gasps> amazing. Um, what else have we, have we seen on that list? I haven't seen Little Women, but I've heard from a reliable source who's a woman <laughs> that it is fantastic and that it's better than Marriage Story, which did get nominated. Interesting. But anyways, I, it's just, it just, I'm not that surprised. I think we're not that surprised. It just goes to show you that like society, it's the patriarchy and, and sexism and misogyny is just built in our DNA. It is in our DNA. It doesn't matter how many conversations we have. It doesn't matter. I mean, it will matter eventually, but I'm just saying right now, like we haven't done enough. There's so much more that needs to happen. And even like, okay, for example, I went to see Hustlers and I fucking love that movie. I thought it was fantastic, but I had to check my own misogyny and bias against women. I had to check it because there were so many moments in the film where I was judging them as you know, because I don't want to spoil it, but you know, they're, they're hustling men and stealing from them. And I, I just found myself having to check myself. Did you ever have, did you see Wolf of Wall Street by any chance? Yes. Did you ever think as you're watching DiCaprio just steal money from people? No, no, no. What an asshole. And you know what? Did you, did you listen to the Deadline podcast with Lorraine, Lorena Scafari. I have not yet. Lorena Scafari. Lorraine Scafari. But if you, you send me a link, I will put it also okay, in the show great. notes so people can listen to that too. She, I was, so they did this podcast, this live podcast at TIFF. I was there and saw her and her producer talking about it. And her producer, by the way, was still, this movie was made, it was, re, it was released, it was premiering at, well, actually I don't remember where its world premiere was, but it was premiering at TIFF. Yeah. Like top five film festivals in the world. And like, insane talent and headlines for this movie and that produ- her producer was still fighting fighting for, for people her, to for her film. accept the film for, for, what for, for what it is and it's so it, it's, and they said they said like they said on stage her her um her producer you guys should listen to this podcast but um her producer said you know they kept going to these these production companies these industry execs and like they were all white guys and you know, they all said, okay, but you have to change this. You have to change this. Or you have to change this. And one of them said to her, okay, but like, can you make, can you make one of the guys, one of the men in the story, a rapist? Cause like, otherwise it's really hard to like hate him. 
And it's hard to justify what these women are doing to, to him them, unless yeah. he's a rapist or unless he's a rapist. Rapes yeah. Unless he rapes somebody. Yeah, let's throw the word rape out casually, <laughs> you fucking executive. Anyways. And honestly, people still vote for somebody to be president of the United States if they're a rapist. I don't think that's exactly. going to really change the way <laughs> exactly. that a movie character. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, and she, and she said, you know, if Scorsese had come in here with Wolf of Wall Street, so it's amazing that you made this connection because mm-hmm. they have said this. If Scorsese had come in here with Wolf of Wall Street, would you have told... DiCaprio that he couldn't scam over those people unless they were rapists. Like, there's no way that would have happened. No way. And it's and it's and and it's just crazy. It's crazy. And And I think that ties back into the whole Golden Globes conversation, the whole conversation of like it's it's ingrained in our DNA to be more judgmental of women and to like we're just not seen in the same way that men are seen and so I think like and not just men by the way like we have our own biases that we have to check constantly about ourselves and about other women so it's like the Golden Globes nominations I think is just shining a light on something that's already there and that's gonna take a a fuck ton more work before it gets any better. In the same way that our president is a reflection of our of our of our deep rooted sexism racism Homophobia, like it's just it, lots it's of in people all of us. who should know better voted for him. Fifty three percent of white women voted for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my demographic is the absolute worst, especially if you take the people who don't have. I think it's advanced degrees. Then it's just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an I have a question of whether this is a good solution for this, uh, and I'm curious what you think. Uh, so we have best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Should we just have a best female director category? Because then there will be five nominations every year, a winner every year, and then you are not having to fight this fight. Or is that bullshit because separate is not equal and that's inherently we shouldn't have to do it? I Okay, do you want to answer first? Yeah. Okay. First of all, gender can just go fuck itself. <laughs> so no Great. is the answer. Yeah. I think that's bullshit. That's old fashioned. That's not where the world is going. And like soon, I really hope soon, j- just j- it, it, gender's a construct. And so anyways, that's already sets people up for failure in terms of who can win uh, an award for acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredibly talented non-binary actors and a- who, like who can't doesn't who identify with either they're yeah. just completely excluded or they have to have or you know the the academy is just going to ignore them completely so they don't have to have an awkward conversation it's like mm-hmm. that's that's fucking bullshit so i think and same goes for directors like like i fucking hated the the netflix directed by women category i thought that was such bullshit mm-hmm. i don't want a special category for like for my <laughs> gender which you're assuming you know like i just i don't want to be like put we don't need special treatment we just need to be Equality. treated as equals yeah we like it's so like uh, it felt like so cute like oh the cute little like directed by women category on Netflix <laughs> oh I don't know I just think that like the goal is to normalize women on set directing producing uh, in crew positions the goal is to normalize it um, not to make it some big like thing I, does that make sense I 100% agree in terms of what is the right thing to do. Sometimes I can also be a pragmatist, which is easy for me given uh, my stats. Uh, but what when I think about that idea, I think that might potentially be the way to get there because then all of a sudden you are 
giving the the merits that uh, Scorsese has an Oscar. All these people have these um, awards and credits and whatnot, and I feel like it can be hard for women directors to get there in the first place, and that if there was for five years, ten years a category, then we would establish a whole bunch of filmmakers who would then have more power in the industry, and then you could kind of get it all the way done, almost like Obamacare on the way to, like, healthcare for everybody. But these mm. steps along the way can feel like such compromise that it might not even be worth it. The other thing I wanted to just throw out about this is how do we fix the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? Every time I hear about it, people describe it the same way, that it's like a, a shady cabal of 75-year-old <laughs> white European men. And I mean this is an honest question to both of you and anyone listening. Does anyone know a female member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? No. I've never heard one interviewed. I'm sure they must exist. But to me, like that's part of the issue is we've decided the Golden Globes matter for reasons beyond me. <laughs> but they do, and calendar-wise, they are set for that. And I feel like part of the issue is, like, who are we putting the heat on? Right. Yeah. I, well, I don't know who the, to write a letter to. They were, I don't know who to try to invite on this podcast to say, like, so who did you vote for? for who did you try to nominate? You yeah. Know, and, yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know a woman who's part of the foreign press, Hollywood Foreign Press, but um, their response to the lack of female directors nominated was, like, we don't vote on gender. We vote on how good the movie was. Which is such bullshit. That's, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. That's like, that's such a, you're so full of shit, you don't even know it. Like, you've, have you ever looked in a mirror? You guys all look exactly the same. You guys all come from exactly the same upbringing. From the, you know, and it's like, you're you're gonna watch a movie that's about something that's that you don't know anything about or is so different from how you grew up or who you are that you're gonna chalk it up as uh, less interesting than the one that's about you. That's what I mean when I say that it's n it's in DNA. It's right. not conscious. Sometimes it is, but a lot of the times it's not. And it's just like buried deep in your bones. Yes. And I think the more we tr realize that, like the definitely, definitely myself, the more I've realized that in myself, the more aware I am and the more I try not to do it as I move forward through the world. So right. I think... Check our own biases. We got to check our yeah. own biases and really ask ourselves. Um, and Arden is amazing at that, I think. And I look up to her so much in that way and that she keeps herself and everyone around her in check when it comes to our point of view. And I think that's really valuable, special. I love that. Okay, <laughs> well, we do need to wrap this up. So the last thing I'm going to say is you're all for hire, right? We're fucking for hire. Yeah. Reach out to us if you need... If you need anything, you don't even know what we have to offer. Like we could, we could have something that you need or that you don't realize you need yet. And we also just want to expand our our community. And that community is directors, producers, actors, crew, uh, sound equipment, grips. I mean, it's everything. Right? Arden is an editor. She's an amazing editor. We both produce. We both direct. We have a, a roster of amazing filmmakers, colorists, editors, composers. You name it. And we want to foster films so great well reach out to them uh check out their website lightlayer.com lightlayer productions thank you lightlayerproductions.com uh and uh, you know if you have a few minutes look in the mirror and check some biases yeah yay thank you so much Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Roxana and Arden. Thank you to presenting sponsor John Rosenfeld Studios and our sponsor Horrible Haikus. I hope your year is off to an awesome start. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, please uh, review us on iTunes and uh, tell a friend. Until next week.